Welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm your host, Khalith Wright, CEO, Air Force Aid Society. Join me as we chat with extraordinary guests, share stories, and learn how amazing people are making a difference in the lives of so many Air Force and Space Force families. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Airman Helping Airmen podcast. I'm John Farrell, the Chief Operating Officer of the Air Force Aid Society, and we're privileged to have on the line today, Sean Molino. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Sean, and then we'll uh, go through a number of questions and learn what he's doing. Uh, he has an extensive bio. We'll provide all of his social media links at the end so that you can check him out. Of course, he has the standard LinkedIn, but he has a lot of other things. But let me tell you a little bit about Sean. He is the fitness founder of Veterans Awards CIC. Prior to that, he served in the British Army and was a physical training instructor with the 1st Battalion Welch Guards from 1999 to 2005. He's been the managing director of Forces Fitness for over 15 years now. Fortis Fitness is a fitness company providing military-style boot camp and team building sessions. You know I love that, Sean. Anytime we can make people drop and give me 50 is all right by me. <laughs> well, it's a multi-award winning company, winning a number of different awards throughout the years. He's been featured on multiple TV programs on BBC, BBC Wales as well. He's the founder, as I stated, of Veterans Awards CIC since 2019. And that's around to inspire future service leaders that great things can happen when they decide to leave the armed forces. 18 years on the other side of it myself, Sean. So we'll talk a little bit about our fitness journey as we go through and how that affects all of us. He rewards veterans in business, fitness, sports, and the wider community throughout Great Britain. And in 2021, he saw the introduction of the Commonwealth Veterans Award. Previous to that, he started off as a store manager and training academy manager at Lidl for 10 years. And prior to that, he was a leisure club manager at a, a couple of hotels. Sean, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? Yeah, no, thank you. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for joining us. No, I'm excited. And we're excited to have you, sir. So as I said in your bio, you served in the British Army from 99 to 2005. I guess we'll start there and say, what inspired you to join the British Army? And what were some of the highlights of your career? Well, it was a bit of a random one, really. I think at the age of sort of 16, I didn't really like school that much. I left school at 16, went off to college, and I was doing computers because it was the late 90s, and computers were massively sort of up and coming then. They were, they were sort of a big thing to do. And I was sat behind my computer desk, and I completed a level two. I was halfway through my level three course and two of my friends said, you want to go off and, and join the military? So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to give it a go. So it wasn't really a planned thing at the time. Obviously, when I went through the, the sort of selection process and, and came throughout the other side as a first battalion Welsh Guardsman, and that was obviously a very proud moment to especially to, to guard the Queen. We lived next door to Buckingham Palace for the first sort of year, year of my military career. Yeah, honestly, it just made me so proud. Rightfully so. What made you decide to leave? You served for a while, but then I guess in 2005, you said, I want to try different things. Yeah, well, I mean, throughout my military career, I took sort of a lot of different types of courses, really. So I went through, complete my PTI course in the armed forces, and that sort of led my sort of passion into where I am today, completing the junior non-commissioned officer course where guards and sort of parachute regiment do their junior non-commissioned courses together. I gained a distinction on that, and that was a very proud moment. But ultimately, I think I'd always have aspirations to do something myself, if that makes sense. And I think in the military, sometimes you're obviously guided by guidelines. You just can't do your own thing. You're very much structured, which is a good thing as well to have the team be structured and have that chain of command. 
I've always found myself as a bit of a natural leader, really, motivating people and trying to do positive things. And I just wanted to sort of go solo, if that makes sense, and, and try my luck in Civvy Street as we do. Of course, and we're glad you did it. So you probably uh, learned that we are the official charity of the United States Air Force and the United States Space Force. And our tagline is helping airmen and guardians when they need us most, predominantly financial support. So I'm not sure if the British Army had a similar charity, but we're the official charity. Did you have a charity? And I guess what I'm asking is when you're starting off young in service, would you have a problem asking for help if you found yourself in financial distress? I think there's a couple. To answer your first question, there is the the, I, the ABF, the Soldiers Charity, which look after soldiers. The, the RAF Benevolent Fund look after our, our Royal Air Force, and then there's the Royal Navy Royal Marines Charity because the Royal Marines in the UK fall under the Royal Navy. They're not separate branches, which I think in the US they're, they're separate branches, so they they fall under that one charity. When I left the military, I think when you look back, you think maybe I could have asked for help a bit more, but I think. A lot of soldiers and military personnel, military um, and women, we're very proud people, aren't we? And I think sometimes we do struggle with the, I might need a bit of help and support. And we all struggle with that. And looking back, I could have asked. And my transition wasn't too bad, by the way. It wasn't a bad transition. I actually transitioned okay from leaving, going into leisure management, as you mentioned at the start. So would I have asked then? I don't know back then. Would I ask now? Because I'm a bit older and I'm a bit wiser and I know where to go? Then yes. But I think the message is, to get the message out through things like this podcast and through social media so people understand that there is support in place if and when needed and any point when they leave, not just at the start, but if you struggle later on in your life as a veteran, then just come back and ask for help and support from charities like yourselves. Great. Thank you, sir. When I was talking about your introduction and I checked out everything that you'd done on LinkedIn and throughout your career, I observed that you ran several health and leisure clubs in Wales after you left. Obviously, fitness has been an important part of your life. I can tell your lean, mean fight machine is sitting there. So how important do you think fitness is for veterans? And how is it important for our mental health? Yeah, I mean, well, fitness is key for me. I, I like my routine with regards to fitness. I'll make sure I get my fit sessions in each week. That's just me. And, but it doesn't necessarily mean, and this is where we sometimes in veterans, we use the concept of what fitness should look like and can look like to help your mental health. It doesn't have to be a beast. It doesn't have to be the PTI. I mean, I was a PTI in the military. It doesn't have to be someone like you scream and shout. And unless you love that kind of thing, and there's a lot of veterans that do, but there's also a lot of veterans that think, you know, I'll be scarred for life from my PTIs. I do want to, you know, one scream and shout me. But even if you can just get out for a walk, I think the main thing for me is find something you like and you enjoy. It could be swimming. It could be walking. It could be photography. Picking up your camera and getting outside and taking some photos because we all know that fitness has an effect on your, your mental health and physical health as well massively but it's important to find that balance and it's important to find that balance and i think it all starts with finding something you like and you enjoy to keep yourself fit now in wales they've got something called the five ways to well-being which i think are a great template and i base my life on that but i also base my companies on it and then the first one of them is surrounding yourself with positive people and connecting with people that will help and support you so that's number one number two is trying to keep in educating yourself and learning new things and trying to do new stuff each year just don't get set in motion. Try new things. Number three is always giving back and supporting others. And that could be by giving back and supporting your oppos, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your siblings, your veterans. Or it could be by helping and supporting charitable causes like yourselves, you know, helping donating and fundraising. And lastly, which I think is massive, which a lot of people don't talk about too much, is diet. Right? Diet is massive. It affects your mental health. It affects your physical health. Overall fitness for me is about 80% diet. 20% exercise. Just watch what we're sticking in our mouths. 
So funny you mentioned that because life, especially for veterans, and I'm living proof, can be a boomerang. And I'm not ashamed to admit, a year ago, I weighed 170, and today I weigh 190. So I need to do something about that. It's a lifelong endeavor. Now, I, I'm a runner. I've done that whole, I ran a 5K yesterday, actually. So that's big for me. But what I've really learned, and you just nailed it, it's not all about that. It's about this. And I think it's so important what you said. So instead of having a cold beer after running, or it has to be part of your life for the rest of your life. And I like the fact that you've stated that it's important to the social aspect of things. That's why I run. I have a runner's club that I belong to. What about the mental health aspect? You sort of touched on that a little bit, but why is it important to our mental health? Well, I think obviously we know that physical activity releases endorphins, which makes you feel better. And that's fundamentally key in the aspect of it is feeling better. Getting outside with green space, there's been research from Canada that's also said that that has a massive positive effect on our mental health as well. And ultimately, I think, Really, by doing something you love and you enjoy, you're going to feel better. By surrounding yourself with people who are going to help and support you, whether that's through an activity or a running group, that's going to have a positive effect on your mental health too. It's going to make you feel better. And the last thing, again, is just building up support networks. I think, and that could come through fitness. It could come through your running club. You just mentioned it then. You know, you've got your running club. You can have a buddy there and just think, you know what? And you'll have a little chat as you're going around, get some things off your chest. You can feel 10 times better. But ultimately, it's having those networks in place. I know some of us don't like to talk too much. And some of us, again, play our cards close to our chest. I'm one of them people, even though I advocate talking to a talking if you need to and talk when you need to. And I think there's probably two people in my life. My circle's small uh, with the people I talk to. My circle's massive with people I know and we'll have a chat and we'll go functions, but very, very small with people who I'll trust with sort of if something's going on and that. That probably comes down to one friend and my wife, to be honest with you. But that's okay. As long as you've got that outlet, I think that, that's key to making yourself feel better and getting off your chest. Yeah. And I appreciate you saying that. Uh, when we're done with this, I have to throw on a suit. And sadly, I'm going to a funeral of one of my best buddies' daughters took her life at 22 years old. So ironically, in the Air Force and in the military, we talk 22 suicides. That's our big number. And it happens so frequently. So that's why I believe that mental health has to be tied directly to not only the social aspect, fitness, the entire bits. I really appreciate you sharing the buddy aspect and not being proud and having people come forward in your life that make a difference. So thank you very much for sharing that, Sean. No, thank you. So you also said you started Forces Fitness in 2008. What inspired you to start the company? Well, yeah, it was actually, we started delivering in 2008. I think we set it up as a company in 2007. So yeah, 15 years. It was our 15th year birthday in October, which is great to see. What inspired me? I love physical fitness. I love the PTI side of it. I did enjoy that. I, I definitely enjoyed you know, taking people out on run, you know, when the new draft come through and giving, making sure they were all physically fit to deploy on operations, the men and women. I love that side of it. And I just thought there was a bit of a gap in the market really then. There was a couple of things going on back at, around the early noughties in the UK. The USA tend to be a bit forward thinking. So boot camps are probably happening in the 90s and we were a little bit behind it coming across the pond. But... I thought, how can we inspire people, make life changes? And it originally started off as like an outdoor boot camp, like outdoor boot camp type fitness. But the company's evolved now to something really special, really. And now we deliver to over 600 places of education in Wales and in England. It's a lot built in with the education sector. So we've got some staff that will work in schools, sort of permanently, if that makes sense, working alongside teachers all around health, well-being, teamwork, motivation. So very much built around, and you'll have something similar in the States around your team building command tasks. We'll split them into teams. There'll be a competition format. We'll try and deliver something around educating them in health or well-being or fitness tips. But there is a winner and there is a loser. 
Because I think sometimes we have this everyone's a winner mentality sometimes, which is drifted into winning. And in life, sometimes it isn't. Not everyone is a winner. It's really important to do your best and give it your all. But there's fundamentally lessons to be learned in failing. I know in the military, we're not taught to fail because we can't afford to fail. But I think in Civvy Street, when we leave, failure is okay. It's all right to fail. We learn from it. We dress ourselves back up. We either go again. Or do you know what? We think, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to change up to something different. But I can understand that's a bit of a mentality shift we have to get in our minds because I see failure now as a positive thing. And I've drilled that. Every year, we'll start three or four new projects through Forces Fitness. Two or three of them won't work. But if one or two of them work, that's amazing. I'll look at the projects that have failed. Do we do them again? We might think we might not do them again. We might tweak them and change them and, and go for it again. So, but, but very passionate about Forces Fitness. Full team of veterans there. 95% of our team are military veterans. So men and women from tri-service as well. So you've got Royal Navy, RAF, Royal Air Force, and obviously British Army personnel who work for us. And, uh, and it's uh, they're, they're fantastic at what they do. So very well said, Sean. Yeah, I got to share. In my life, I learn more from the failures than the successes, right? You got to dust yourself off, get back up and keep on trucking on just to get through. So thank you for sharing that. What about your military background in regards to bringing that forth as a leader? Did you find that it sets you up to lead in the civilian capacity? Listen, leadership, you will not get any better training than the, Brit- than the British Army. Sorry, I was going to say now it could be anywhere else. <laughs> America I in the it. military. We're calling the military. But I think that you will not get any better training because you are, you have to be a leader. Whatever rank you are, you need to be able to step up in that position to lead from the forefront. And I think those transitional skills when you leave in sort of turning up on time, being smartly dressed, doing your research and leadership, management or people management, which I say now, second in them. I mean, there's things we need to learn. And don't get me wrong, when I come out on my first job as a leisure operations manager, I didn't know much about profit and loss. I didn't know much about sort of marketing and sort of sales. And there was a couple of things that I needed to, you know, I needed to brush up on. However, those initial skills and those transitional skills and leadership, I'm, mass, I'm a massive advocate. When I talk in schools and colleges and universities across the United Kingdom, I will always draw back to my military training as being a massive part of what I do. And everything's linked to that. So Forces Fitness, the business that we run now, is linked to the military. And then obviously Veterans Awards, which I set up then, number of other veterans. I mean, that, that's all based around promoting positives from the military. But but I, I'm a massive advocate of I joined. But I'm also glad they left as well, if that makes sense. Because people say, why did you leave? If you were that. But I think it was the right time for me. It was definitely the right time. You and I both, people ask me every day, do you miss the Air Force? I've never missed a day of the Air Force. I've missed the people in the Air Force. But you know when it's time to hang up that uniform, right? So that's so true. 100%. So you received a pretty prestigious award. I might pronounce this wrong, but the Coate Community Award for your voluntary work with schools. And it's dedicated towards promoting health and well-being. I'm sure you see this more than anything. I thank God that I had a get-your-butt-outside dad. I never experienced from whether it be from dawn till dusk. The understanding was don't think you're going to lay around this house. So there's no such thing as video games in my life. Sort of a little bit with uh, Atari back in the day as a youngster. Yeah. But I had a dad that said, get out there and have fun and enjoy the sunshine. So you probably notice now, and I see it throughout, all these young kids who are overweight and unfit. I mean, I was 118 pounds when I joined the United States Air Force at 18 years old. So it makes me sad when I see that. So tell me a little bit about your work with children and how that's going. Yeah, I think, yeah, for, thanks for mentioning the, the awards. It was the Koji Community Award, which is great because it's put forward by the residents and sort of local estates. And then off the back of that, then it was actually received award at Westminster, the Palace of Westminster in central London, which is um, which received letters after my name, similar for the work that's been done in the community. And they were lovely days. It was lovely beats to be recognised. 
But the programmes, I think, but what children, you sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit, really, that this day and age with social media and technology, I think it's harder to get the kids sort of out, if that makes sense. It's because they, they would actually left me just be sat on the computer games, playing their games. I mean, I've got two young children now. One of my boys, thankfully, is really into rugby. He loves his rugby. Awesome. And that's our national sport in Wales, of course. So he loves that. So, which is good. So he goes training Wednesdays, his game on Sunday. So he's out, he's constantly out. And my daughter's well into a horse riding. And she also loves a dance as well. She loves a dance. But it's nice, try and get them if you can. I think you can get kids into a club and that's great. But again, it's also try and get them to try new things. I know it's sometimes easier said than done, but my boy wouldn't have gone to rugby unless I sort of pushed him a bit. And I wouldn't say it was too pushy, but I had to push him for a couple of weeks to say, look, come on, this is a tackle. It is going to hurt. But you know what? After a couple of weeks, doesn't hurt as much. And now he's into it now. We give him the ball, he'll run, he'll smash some people and he'll do a big tackle. But sometimes they need a bit of a nudge as well because kids will push back. And if you're going, oh, no, do you want to play football or soccer? Obviously, for you guys over there, they may push back and say no. So sometimes they need a nudge. Obviously, after a few weeks, if they're still not getting into it, then fair enough. But finding something they like and they enjoy. Also, try and do something together. When COVID happened and the lockdown over here, I, I was a massive big one of taking the family out for a walk and just going for a walk together. Just getting a walk, a walk and talk, bit of a chat with the kids. They might moan a little bit when they get out, but you know, as soon as they get out the door then and you take them for a walk across a field and they see some horses or a sheep or a cow or whatever you bump into, but it's nice just to get them out if you can do that. And that's also good to spend time together as a family, really, isn't it? Because admittedly, that doesn't probably happen as much as it used to 20, 30 years ago because we all live much more faster-paced lives now. The mum and dad are probably both working as well, whereas years ago it might have been only maybe dad was work, mum was home, or, or vice versa. So, yeah, I just no nail on the head with fitness. Find something, that, and that's a common theme for everybody at what age, whether you're a kid or you're an adult. Find something that you enjoy. Do something that makes you smile as well, because we're only here once in life, and at the end of the day, we want to live a happy, healthy life. I think that's probably everyone's mission statement, really. I don't think anyone's going to say, I want to lead a dreadful life. A happy, healthy life for me is what I see, what I thrive on. So if we can get that out there, that would be great. Sure. Well said, no doubt about it. So one of the other things you did is you founded the Veterans Award CIC, and the intent was to inspire future service leaders that great things can really happen when they hang up the uniform. So why did you decide to found that organization in 2017? What was the impetus for that? I'm a big believer in awards for, for companies and organizations. So each year we put the company Forces Fitness as a marketing because I believe it's nice to shout out for something you do. It's better than taking people just out for drinks and getting them slaughtered on the pot. We take them out as a nice night out. The staff go out, we treat them to the food. We use it as a staff do. So we've got two awards a year. Win or lose, we'll enjoy the night. They'll have a good night and everyone's happy. So sat an award ceremony in central London, lovely award ceremony. Ticket price was just a lot of money. So I think it was, I think it was about £350 plus VAT because VAT's on top of it. So it was about £475 in dollars. That's probably about $650 a ticket. So it was a lot of money. And I thought, oof, all right. It was central London. And I was sat in the awards. It was a lovely night. And I thought, why can we do something similar? Do something in the home nations because the United Kingdom is made up of four home nations, if that makes sense. Wales, England, Scotland and Northern Ireland, for those who don't understand that, it's four countries within the United Kingdom. And I thought, could we do something at home? So I looked at doing something initially in Wales, but at a very, very, a lot cheaper rate. Can we keep the ticket cost as down as minimum as you can? Can we put together a free application so it doesn't cost anything to apply? Can we put together a free certificate giving day as well, where we get everybody together and we do some networking and give everyone a certificate? So that was the sort of driver towards it. We was at an awards, and I just thought, could we do something that we can give back to the community? And that's where the Welsh Veterans Awards were 
were launched. Off the back of that, it sort of spread quite rapidly to, to England, to Scotland. And obviously, last year, we helped support the Northern Irish Awards as well. So there's sort of black tie award gala dinners. You can imagine the big brass band will, will open them up. We'll have a, a brigadier major general will come and speak. But the main thing for me is it's been really well supported by all services over here. So the Army, the Air Force and the Royal Navy, Royal Marines. We have attendees from each of them come and they'll come and support. We'll have the Queen's Guards will come with their bearskins and red tunics with photos of people on the night. And it's just such a positive night. I'm a bit of a believer. Hopefully it's coming across on the podcast. It's slightly cheesy, but I've got a bit of a catchphrase. It's called positivity breeds positivity. I do believe in if we can promote the positives from our community, do it in the right way, which these awards are all about. And also, I think that'll inspire future service leavers that great things really can happen when they do decide to leave the military. Fantastic. So can you think of one singular or maybe a couple of standout stories of people that you've awarded your services to? Oh, there's some fantastic people. And I think that's the main thing of the night. I mean, during the night, you'll have smiles. And, and the good thing about the evening is, is everyone's supporting each other. And I've been to some business awards where it can get a little bit bitchy, if I can say that. And everyone's like, oh, how about bet? Veterans Awards, everyone's backing each other. They're clapping each other on. doesn't matter. It's everyone in that room, for me, are doing great things for the community. And that's what we want to push up. I mean, we had a World War II veteran. He was 99 years of age. Wow. Pick up a Lifetime Achievement Awards. He's a sixth Dan judo black belt. He's the highest ranked judo black belt in the UK. That's fantastic. I served in the Fusiliers. That was a really emotional when he came onto the stage. We had um, another gentleman, Jack Hearn, his name was. We had another gentleman called Tony Davis. He was the regimental sergeant major of the Welsh Guards when they went off to the Falklands and the Sagama had eventually got sunk. He was finished up as a lieutenant colonel, loaned to charity work. That was a nice one for me because it was my old regiment, if that makes sense. So that was lovely for him to come up on stage. And I know there was a lot of our regiment in the room as well. So that pulled on the heartstrings. We've got another gent called Lieutenant Colonel Carl Mayer. So he set up, he's an orthopedic surgeon. And he has really changed the lives of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of veterans. So he runs a Veterans Trust Hospital that does knee replacements and hip replacements. And he's sort of figurehead of that trust and does all the operations. But it's just, there's so many positive stories. There's another guy, Jason Hare up in Scotland. Sorry, they're coming up my head now. Um, he got severely injured in Afghanistan and he came back and set up Horseback UK to help veterans with equine therapy up in Scotland. And it's just, do you know why? They're just great lads. And I think, Anyone that's ever been in the room and experienced it, it's just fantastic. And the whole thing's uh, from fully not-for-profit. It's put together by veterans, for veterans. And anything we raise above and beyond costs, it goes back into small, small veteran sort of charities. So, you know, like breakfast clubs you've got out in the US that they meet together on like, you know, every Saturday and they have a bit of breakfast sort of veterans hubs. So we go into things like that within the United Kingdom. So anything above our costs. It goes straight back into that, really. The wage bill is very small for what we've got. I think we looked at the last year's accounts, which got far last week. So it was £7,000 of wages. And that was the, that's it but to, run the, to run the Veterans Awards. It's, we all tend to operate in a voluntary capacity, or myself and the board of directors and the inspirational panel. It's a small admin wage, which is a bit of part-time work. But I, we love what we do. It's very well received. Yeah, and I can see your passion clearly, Sean. I'm thankful that you're taking care of the WW2 guys and gals because there's very few of them left now. They're late 90s or early 100s. And recently, we took care of a Tuskegee Airman who got a promotion before he passed away too, which was kind of cool. So, I mean, there's there's so many things that we need to do for those, especially the greatest generation. So thank you for what you're doing, no doubt about it. So I'm going to shift my focus a little bit. One of the things that we do, obviously, being the official charity of the United States Air Force and the United States Space Force is raise money so we can help 
airmen, guardians in perpetuity into the future. So because of the generosity of our donors, that allows us to do that. Are there similar charities in the UK that you work with that help veterans? I'm a big supporter of the Welsh Guards Charity, which is our sort of uh, our foot guards charity. So I do support that. The, the ABF, the Soldiers Charity, Royal Navy, Royal Marines Charity are sort of benefactors of stuff that we do on the evening of the Veterans Awards. And that'll be opened up to the RAF Benevolent Fund next year now as well. So we'll have a full tri-service fundraising for them. But yeah, they do a similar thing. I, I like to think the, the RAF Benevolent Fund is very similar to your charity. So they would look after all the, the airmen. And I think we've recently, don't quote me on this, but I think we've actually recently just started our space force. It's just started. We're a bit behind you. But I think the UK realised there is there's a lot to do in, in space. And I think that's where the sort of, there's going to be a lot of funding put into that. But ultimately, what you guys do and what they do, it, it needs to happen. Because I know that the ones in the UK do fund a lot of these sort of smaller veterans programmes that are going on and help and support, help and support people and airmen or air people when needed. So... Fantastic. Can you think of any other ways that people can support our military folks that we haven't mentioned? Oh, well, shoot, that's a tricky one, really, isn't it? I think the UK are quite big. We've got, I think just having the support networks out there, I think what works really well in the UK is the sort of the, the sort of veterans hubs. There's a lot of veterans hubs that have popped up in the last five, 10 years, certainly more than they were 10 years ago. And they're really the front line, I'd like to probably say, because a lot of veterans will go out and they'll speak to someone from their local community and understanding that we have qualified people in there just to sign posts to the right way, if that makes sense, or to the right people, obviously, because you want to make sure they get into the right people, especially for regards to mental health, if and when needed. Some people may just need help with sort of what benefit entitlements they're entitled to from the government, and that, that also helps as well. With regards to fundraising, I think keeping it fun, really, if you're looking at fundraising for charity, and we do... Every year we do like a great run around Wales. So we'll do like a virtual run that we'll try and fundraise some money for the Welsh Guards charity. On the awards nights, we do a lot of auctions and stuff. But I'm a massive advocate. And I think if you look back to the five ways of well-being, giving back is one of them. So whether it's you can give back knowledge as a person or whether you can help and support people, or like I said earlier, if you can do something each year and fundraise for a charity that really helps and supports our military personnel, even if it's just a small, even if it's something small, you know, it all helps. And I think you'd appreciate that. And I know the charities I work with as well really do appreciate that what we do each year to help and support them. Yes, especially this time of year, too, as we get closer to the holiday season. It's just so important. So thank you very much for what you're doing and what you continue to do. So, Sean, we talked a lot. I'd like to always conclude with this question and afford you the last word. So here in America, we have a renowned, he's, he's getting near the end of his life. He's pretty old now, but a guy named Dan Rather, he used to be on the CBS Evening News. And he still does a lot of interviews of politicians and entertainers and normal folks on a TV show called The Big Interview here. And he always concludes every interview of every person he ever interviews with this question. What question should I have asked you that I didn't? Oh, God, that was a tricky one. No, I think you've pretty much covered everything. I would say you've been a fantastic host. I wouldn't say there's anything that's, that stings to mind. I think you've pretty much covered my career, what we've done, but more importantly, how we can help and support others. And I think that's the question we should all ask ourselves each day is, how can we help and support veterans and also serving personnel when needed? Well, I'll give you last words of anything else you'd like to cover today, Sean. No, thank you. It's been honestly such a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. And yeah, good luck with everything going forward. Yes, we really appreciate you being with us today, Sean. We'll make sure that all of our audience gets all your social media links and checks you out. 
And maybe I can convince my boss, since I'm an avid runner, to come over to Wales and run with you. That would be a fun time. I think I would really enjoy that. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Airman Helping Airman podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great Air Force Day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Airmen Helping Airmen, brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society. To find out more about how we make a difference, visit AFAS.org. And then be sure to search for Airmen Helping in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of everyone at the Air Force Aid Society, thanks for listening and join us on social media.